Okay, let's turn to the book of Acts chapter 2. Last time we looked at, uh, as Peter preached on this date, the day of Pentecost, which was one of the feasts foreshadowing the work of Christ, and he come to fulfill his church and fulfill the promise that he said that he would send back the Holy Spirit. And he stands and preaches. This old fisherman, the Lord told him that he would make him a fisher of men, that he would catch men. And here on the day of Pentecost, as this man spoke and as God spoke, you think about that, God spoke. They thought they were done with him. They thought we've crucified him. That They said he's just a fake and he's a phony. And Peter said, doubt Jesus of Nazareth that you crucified, that you took him by wicked hands and crucified him and slain him. God raised him from the dead. And God the Father made that one we crucified Lord. And they were pricked in their hearts and they said, what are we going to do? Can we be saved? And he said, repent and be baptized. And God ushered 3,000 souls into his kingdom. You imagine that. I think many times we read that. Imagine 3,000 people at one time from 15 different countries and how that God and his providence, providence gathered all of them there to hear that message. And they were able to hear not just with physical ears. They heard in the, with their heart. And they believed. They believed what Peter preached. They it, and, you know, there's a lot that they don't know about Christ, but they believe the Christ that was set before them. God enabled them to believe. Here we see God raising up his church in its, in its infancy. He's fulfilled all the law. He's laid aside the temple and the Sabbath days and all the rules and the regulations. And he's established his church. And you know where he set up his throne? In the heart of his people. He said, where is my rest? That's his rest. That's where he reigns. He came, our Lord came, when his spirit in his church, he came to take over. He came in his humiliation, and he gave his life a ransom for many. And that same Jesus is sitting on the throne. And he's going to save his people. As he saved them then, he's saving them now. Through the preaching and the understanding of the gospel. Everything, even what we read in Isaiah 66, leads us up to this point. As we read there in Isaiah 66, verse 8, who hath heard such a thing? Who has seen such things? They'd never heard anything like this before. They'd never seen anything like this before. Shall the earth be made to bring forth in one day? And shall a nation be born at once? It sure can, and it sure was. This is not, this is the spiritual Jews. This is spiritual Israel. All of them, they're the elect of God brought in, raises up a great nation, a nation that nation of just Israel. They were left in their darkness and in their blindness. But not these people. This is his nation. A nation shall be born at once. As soon as Zion travailed, Zion the church where he dwells, she brought forth her children. What do you mean her children? 3,000 souls. They travailed. 
They, they waited in Jerusalem. He said, you tarry in Jerusalem till you be endued with power from on high. And when he sent the Spirit of God, which enabled Peter to preach and enabled those people to hear, he raised up a nation and he brought forth his children. Soon as she travailed, travailed, she brought forth children. He is setting up his kingdom upon this earth. He said, my kingdom comes without observation. The kingdom of God is within you. He indwells his church. He's come to enable her and empower her to take the gospel to the whole world. As soon as Zion travailed, and that still applies today, as soon as Zion, the church of God, travails, she brings forth her children. How does God bring spiritual children into this world? through the gospel, through the preaching of the gospel, and through his church. That's how he works. I'm bothered, I was bothered a while back to hear something. In relating to what I'm getting ready to tell you, that before Don and them did live stream, he said his, his worst fear about live stream, that people will use live stream as an excuse not to come to listen and sit in person and hear the gospel. I'm glad that we have it, and God's given it as a means, but it's no substitute. Now there's people who have ministries. They ministered in, I guess, uh, virtual, and people send money, and they do this, and now they, they say that's the new way of the new church. God never deviates from his word, ever. This is his church, and he's established it. Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of such is, but so much the more as you see the day approaching. When you get blessed, get up there and hug the TV screen. It's a blessing to see your face. It's a blessing to see you every time that we gather together and hug each other's neck. This is God's church. These people needed each other. That's what we're going to see tonight. What happened to these people after they believed? Did they just go back and forget what they heard? Oh, no. Because when God saves somebody, he saves them. He delivers them. He changes them. This is his church. The first days of its infancy. What's he done? He said, don't. He said, you're to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Every creature. You're to teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's what they were intended to do, and that's what we still do. No other way around it. I know God can do whatever he wants to do. But everybody, it reminds me of convenience. Everybody wants something convenient. I know you're tired. Worked all day, or you worked all day, or whatever you did, you're tired. And it'd be easy to say, well, I just said, I could sit at home and watch Mike. Yeah, you could. And I know some can't come. I understand that. Yeah, I hope you understand what I'm saying. But there's no substitute. There's none for this right here. What did they do after they were converted? In these verses, we're going to look at verses 41 through 47. We're going to see an example of what every local church ought to be. In verse 31, I mean verse 41, I'm sorry. Verse 41 of Acts 2, Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. They gladly received it. And the same day, 
There was added unto them, some said it should read, uh, added unto him about 3,000 souls. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and in fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together and had all things common. And they sold their possessions and good and parted them to all men as every man had need. And they continued daily with one accord in the temple and breaking of bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. He added to what? The church. We know it's just not a building. They didn't have a church. I hadn't thought about it much, but when I started studying for the lesson, these 3,000 people didn't all meet together. They didn't just build a building, just snap of your fingers and start, oh, we're going to build us a church. No, the church is the body of Christ. That's, you know, that's the church. We know that's simple, but we need to be reminded of that. He added to the church such as should be saved. It says the first thing there that they continued. That's evidence of a believer, of a child of God. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrines and not the apostles' doctrines. It's the doctrine of Christ. What they knew about God and Christ, they had heard through the apostles. They heard, and they continued. They wanted to know more about this Jesus of Nazareth, who now reigns as Lord. The bulk of these people knew no more about Christ than what they'd picked up from Peter's sermon. They may have never heard about him. They're from regions all over the world. Who is this? This Jesus? But here they continued. You remember they had no Bibles. They had no means of learning anything about the faith which now that they professed except listening to one or the other of the original 11 apostles. That's all they had. But they continued I want to hear more. You know what that is? That's a picture of life. That's a picture of growth. That's a picture someone's been born again, birthed into his church. <clears throat> they didn't just hear with their emotions. They knew that the apostles had the words of eternal life. And they continued. They followed what they were instructed, baptized, you imagine baptizing 3,000 souls. That would probably take a pretty good while. They said, we won't be baptized. Well, what is baptism? Well, they probably instructed them and said, oh, yeah. Yeah, he's my Lord. He died in my place. He put away my sins. He rose from the dead, and now I'm going to die with him. I'm dead to this world. I'm buried with him, and now I walk in newness of life. Yeah, let's be baptized. And what did that say to all that bunch of Jews? Why are they baptizing him? Did you hear what happened? Did you hear what happened there in Jerusalem? Did you hear this? And they maintained their fellowship with the saints. They're in verse 42. They, they continued in the doctrine and in the fellowship. Sheep want to be around other sheep. 
He said, you save yourselves from this untoward, this wicked, vile generation. And sheep need sheep. And they continued in the fellowship. You know, I, I love it when, especially on Sunday morning, when we, even on Wednesday night, we may stand around for 30 to 45 minutes. A lot of times we're talking about the message. We're talking about We're having fellowship. How's your day? How you been going? You know what? We need, we need, we're concerned about each other. That's, someone said fellowship is two fellows in a ship. <laughs> we're in this together. Fellowship. Well, you can't have fellowship with the world. They don't, they don't understand anything about grace or the gospel. When they withdrew from that generation, they didn't become hermits. If you saw one believer, you probably saw another one. Listen, God is faithful by whom you are called unto the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. 1 John 1, 3, That which we have seen and heard declare you unto you, that you may have fellowship with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. That's what we have in common. It is him. If nothing else, we're just two fellows talking about whatever, talking about the weather or politics or whatever it is we're just talking. But we come together, said they continued in the fellowship. Sure, tell me more about him. Let's talk about him. How can two walk together except they be agreed? Also in 1 John 1, 6, if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. Verse 7, but if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, as they were walking, as they continued in the doctrine of the disciples, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses all of us, his people, from our sins. What fellowship that sins are forgiven? How are they forgiven? By Christ and his blessed sacrifice. We have fellowship one with another. They needed each other. They loved one another. They were concerned for one another. They were all, all of them, in one accord, there was no discord, and there was no strife. You know, it is really sad when we look back over the last, since 2020, since the virus came, how many things that it has brought about. People's left churches and went, I mean, it's just really sad. It's just strife and, and discord. See, that's how the enemy works, but not, but not here. None of that mattered. It don't matter. Well, you're not from here. That don't matter. You believe him, they did. And when we talk about him, none of those differences matters. We're not going to bring them up. We're not talking about them. We're not discussing them. We're going to talk about him. We will talk about him. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is to Christ is born of God. And everyone that loveth him that begat loveth him also that is begotten of him. 
We love who begat us, and we love those whom have been begotten of him. You can't explain it. You've got so many faults. You're so full of sin, and I am too. <laughs> How in the world we put up with each other? <laughs> it's only grace. Isn't it? It's only grace. You know you've passed from death unto life because you love the brethren. They frequently, they continued, they continued in fellowship, and they frequently worshipped, celebrating the Lord's table. It said, you know, so it said they broke bread from house to house. That's what that's talking about. It's talking about them celebrating the Lord's table. Well, when did they do it? They did it every day. They didn't just, they hadn't started meeting on the Lord's day yet. These people, this is the infancy of the church. But every time they gathered together and broke bread, they did it in remembrance of him. In remembrance of him. Listen, when the early church went home at the end of the day, when they sat down to eat the bread and drank the wine, that's what they ate, they blessed the bread and the wine, and they did this in remembrance of him. We just like Linda me coming over to your house, and we sit down, and we're going to have a dinner. We know what? We're doing this in remembrance of him. Isn't it amazing? Everything they did, they did to his glory. Everything they did, they thought about him. Just come over to our house. You know what we're going to do? We're going to fellowship, and we're going to sit down, eat a little bread, and drink a little wine, and we're going to remember him. <laughs> they celebrated what this is saying, their faith affected their whole life. They went from one house to another like a little synagogue. Alexander McLaren, I thought he gave a good point on this. He said the poorest home, the coarsest bread, the sourest wine, or the humblest table became a memorial of our dear Lord. Religion and life, the humbles and the devout, humbled and the devout, were so closely brought together that when a household sat at the table, it was both a family and the church. And while they were eating their meat for the strength of their body, they were partaking of the memorial of their dying Lord. They broke bread from house to house. Then it says they continued in prayer. They waited in prayer before the Spirit came. And when they continued, they continued in prayer. Children of God pray. I'm not talking about saying rituals, but God's children pray. I've heard people say they ought to pray. No, they do pray. You do talk on to the Lord. You do call upon his name. You might not utter verbal words, but you do call upon his name. In your heart, you worship God. You call him and say, Lord, I need your wisdom. I need your direction. Don't, don't leave me alone. Don't leave me to myself. They prayed. Oh, that the Lord would enable us to pray. Oh, that the Lord would enable us to see the seriousness of praying. Now, he told them he was going to see the Spirit, but he said, you wait 
That's what he's talking about, waiting. It's not just sitting and waiting. He said, you pray and what? Watch. Watch. Praying shows our dependence upon God. Yeah, Lord, we've we, we seen you do something amazing. And remember this, prayer is not just asking. Prayer is thanksgiving. Lord, thank you for saving 3,000 souls. Lord, I, wish, I pray you do it today. He's still the same God. We're preaching the same gospel. We should not only ask that his kingdom come, which he told us to pray, we ought to rejoice and give thanks when his kingdom is come. Look at this. Who would have ever imagined 3,000 souls at one time converted to one man preaching a simple message and they all heard and believe God's arm's not shortened that he can't save. Is, God, is anything impossible with God? There's nothing too hard for him. Ephesians 6.18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. We pray and watch with perseverance. We don't quit. We pray for our brothers and sisters. Lord, help Linda, help Jim, help Sandy, help Carol, Danny, Kathy, Cheryl, and everybody in this place. Lord, help them. Give them grace. Give them strength. Give them wisdom. They abounded, it said in verse 47, in thanksgiving. They praised him for all that he has done and is doing. You say, what is the Lord doing? He's doing his will. Now, we don't see, and we may, we may never see 3,000 souls saved at one time. We may never do that. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Just because we don't see it does not mean God's not working. He's always working. He's always working to move things and move people and line people up where they, where they hear the gospel and believe. As we looked at a couple of weeks ago in Psalms 100, verse 3, Know ye that the Lord, he is God. You know, you could just stop for a minute and meditate on that right there. Know ye that the Lord is he is God. It is he that hath made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pastor. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and to his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name for the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting and his truth endureth to all generations. And that's what we see here. To his courts with praise. Then it says they were charitable. Verse 45, verse 44, and all they believed were together and had all things common, and they sold their possessions and good and parted them to all men as every man had need. 
They were a united church. Their hearts were knit together in love. It was like his, his robe that they gambled for when he's hanging on the cross. It was one piece. It was not patched up. It was not like this shirt cut in pieces and then sewed together. His church is not something patched up. Everybody's woven together. We're knitted together. Our hearts are our hearts are knitted together in love. They were dear to each other. All that believed were together. They met in several individual congregations. How according to their languages or other associations. They joined together with that with those that believed. Like I've already said they needed each other. Sheep need other sheep. Sheep and goats have nothing in common. They're totally different. Totally different. In the same way with believers and non-believers. But they were knit together. And all that believed, all that what? Believed. All that believed and all that do believe had all things, verse 44, common. They ate together. Those that had much have less, and those who had little might have more. There was such a concern for one another, they had all things, all things common. Someone said this about they were generous. It's they, they were not communist. They were Christians. And the difference between a communist and a Christian is this. A communist says, all yours is mine. While a Christian says, all mine is yours. That's the difference. The one is forgetting. The other is forgiving. I remember Rupert driving Bart telling me this about someone me and him both knew when I first met him in the, the mid-90s. He said, there's two kinds of preachers in this world. There's givers and there's takers. These people had everything, what they had, it was in common. It says, well, whatever's mine, it's Cheryl's. It's Danny's and Kathy's. It was, they, that's what they looked at. They didn't look at it as theirs. They knew what they had. God gave them. i never forget what you read that day about, you know, from Henry. We're just tenants. And we can be evicted any time he wants to, and he don't ask permission. These people knew that and believed it, and they had all things common. You can imagine that congregation, wherever they're meeting, how many they were. They had everything common, they're praying for each other, and God's blessing, God's saving souls. Listen, Acts, on over in chapter 4, verse 32. We'll get there in a couple of weeks. And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither said any of them that all of the things which he possessed was his own, but they had all things common. They raised funds for charity. They didn't do this. There's no command for them to do this. 
The disciples never told them, said, now you go home and sell what's yours, sell your property, or you good. They were not commanded to do this. I mean, that's amazing that they wanted to. And we know, I think, that when they're speaking about in chapter 4, is talking about Barnabas, who had a piece of ground. His name means the son of consolation, and he sold it, and he brought the money, and he laid it down at the apostles' feet. You know what he said? You use it any way you see fit. Help the poor, help the needy, whatever needs to be done. They did this of their own accord. What, what is basically, what is simply, what is this saying? They were not selfish. Christ said, We always have the poor with us. This here is, some, is an extraordinary case. Everything they had. And everything about them was used for the furtherance of the gospel. Each used what they had for the good of everybody else. You know what it reminds me of? You remember when God's going to build the tabernacle? How did they, where did they get the money to build the tabernacle? Where did they get the silver and the gold? Where did, they, where did they get the lamb skins? Where did they get the badger skins? Where, where did they get the, the fine linens? Where did they get that? People had it. And they brought it, and they gave it. I think it maybe was Solomon's temple or the other one. I can't remember. But it's the only place I ever read. They, they were bringing the stuff. And he finally said, oh, well, we got enough. <laughs> but they brought it. God's building his church. They didn't, they didn't have, they didn't take, I don't read it, they took up a collection. They had all things, all things common. You know what have we have in common? Him. Him. And then verse 47, they were cheerful. They enjoyed one another's company. They broke bread from one house to another. They did eat their bread with joy and drank the wine with a merry heart. And they were generous to their poor brethren. They would ask them, I could see them, and said, would y'all like to come over to the house for breaking the bread? <laughs> I mean, when our Lord said, he said, when you invite somebody to your house, don't invite somebody that can ask you back. <laughs> he said, you ask somebody that has nothing why don't you come over to the house? We're going to sit down. We're going to talk about him. We're going to break, we're going to break bread. <laughs> they were open-hearted and open-handed. Then we see in verse 43, God owned these men or approved those men and showed to everybody they were his because it said they did signs, Verse 43, and fear came upon every soul, and many, sign, many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. These were proofs that they were sin of God. This was their credentials. Not everybody did this. Peter walking into the temple that day, and a man asked him, said, you got anything for a poor man? And he said, silver and gold I don't have, but such as I have, give I thee. 
in the name of Jesus Christ, you get up and walk. And that man got up and walked. I read over, I can't remember what chapter it was today I was reading in. It says they would bring, they would bring people out and lay them by the street, hoping if Peter walked by, just his shadow, if his shadow was cast upon them, they would be healed. You're talking about wonders and signs. Oh, they just, they're just saying stuff. Okay, let's see, let's see you raise them from the dead. Paul did. Peter did. I mean, he healed the sick. They healed the sick. God enabled them to do these things. Our Lord said, these things, they testify of me. What did he tell John? The poor have the gospel preached, the lame walk, the blind receive their sight. He said, you tell John this. And those people, did you hear what they did? They did signs. And you know what? These are wonders. Wonders to behold. I've never yet. I hope I never do get over the wonder of grace. It's a wonder to God save anybody. It's a wonder when you see people that come from different backgrounds can unite together, be of one accord, of one common goal. These signs shall follow them that believe in me. In my name they shall cast out devils, and they shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Someone said, those who did these miracles could have maintained themselves in the poor that were among them, just as Christ fed the 5,000, but they didn't. They didn't. This was no less a miracle that was done by work of grace upon the hearts of men to sell their estates. That's how he worked. That's how he worked. And on the day of Pente- when he fed the 5,000, what did he have? He used what he had. Three loaves and two fishes. And he looked at the disciples and said, you feed them. How in the world are we going to feed them? How are we going to feed all these people? He said, just have them to sit down. I'll take care of the rest of them. <laughs> and they fed them. And here, this is no less a miracle. How is he going to provide for his church? This church has nothing. They're just like an infant, just been born. How is how's these men going to live? How, how are these 11 men that are preachers, how are they going to live? They don't have a job. They, they have a job. They have a calling. It's called preaching the gospel. And he... Barnabas, he some way he had a piece of ground, and he said, I, I don't really need that. I'm going to take it and give it to them. Can you imagine how encouraging? He was always an encouragement, the son of consolation. And the people were influenced by all this. It said that they feared them. They feared them. What does this mean? When they saw the wonders and the signs, these are, these are things they could see. Even the lost world showed them respect. They didn't. The common people stood, stood in awe as Herod feared John. Herod ain't no believer, but he feared him. He didn't believe what he said, 
but he feared him. He knew this much. He knew something different about that man. Nobody's ever walked into my court and talked to me as the king like he did. He walks in with everybody around. He said, it's unlawful for you to have your brother's wife. And he got his head cut off. But Herod feared him. It wasn't some external pomp that they were in awe of. It was the presence of God's spirits. They were not like the scribes and Pharisees. Now, on over in Acts chapter 4, verse 13, now when they saw the boldness, they when they what, saw the boldness, they didn't just hurry hear them, they saw their boldness of Peter and John and perceived they knew that they were unlearned and ignorant men. They marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. They stood in awe. These men are nothing. But listen to what they say. God doesn't build his church with the wisdom of men. He deals with, builds, builds his church with the power of God. Albert Barnes said, The effect of a great work of God's grace is commonly to produce an unusual, serious thinking in a community. Even those who are not converted, even they may not ever be converted, there's no denying what the Lord's doing. He said it restrains, it subdues, and it silences the opposition. I want to show you this. Turn to Acts chapter 5. The whole context here, I think it was Peter, and it might have been John. They called him in the temple, preaching in the temple, and they threw him in jail. God brought them out, and the first thing they did is went right back to the temple preaching. And they, they said, what, they called a council together, and they said, bring those men that's in prison. They said, they're not in prison. What do you mean they're not in prison? They're in the temple still preaching. Well, I thought we told them not to be doing that. Well, we did. Well, bring them in here. We're going to kill them is what we're going to do. Oh, really? Then there stood up one in the council, a Pharisee named Gamaliel, verse 35. This man's not a believer. He's a Pharisee, well-known. He's a doctor of the law and had in reputation among all People. He had a reputation of being somebody. He stands up. You imagine this man standing up. And he commanded and commanded to put the apostles forth just a little space. And he said unto me, unto them, You men of Israel, take heed to yourself what you intend to do as touching these men. You know what he's saying? You better be careful what you're getting ready to do. This man's fearful, and this man has a right to be, because if you read on dinner, he gives two examples of these men that raised up, they were raised up in Israel, and they had a following. You know what happened to the men and their followers? They were all killed. There was another man raised up, and it wasn't of God, and it came to nothing, and that's what he said. He said two examples. He said these men raised up, and then he said in verse 38, and now I say unto you, refrain from these men and let them alone. 
For if this counsel of this work be of men, it will come to nothing. It'll be just like them other two. It won't be nothing. You just leave it alone. But if it be of God, you cannot overthrow it. Lest happily you be found even to fight against God. This man not even a believer. He said, you better leave them men alone. There's something different about them men. And he basically, he said, if it, if it ain't of God, it'll just fizzle out. But if it's of God, you don't want to be found fighting against God. Then verse 47, they favored them. The Lord favored them. He still gives us favor with men. Cyrus paid for the Israelites to go home. But Israel and their rulers hated them. But the common people knew this was something. They didn't understand what it all meant. But they knew it was real. They know it's not a bunch of Pharisees strutting around in their robes and their, all their things and their hats or whatever. These are just simple fishermen standing in their common clothes just preaching to these people. And then it said, the Lord added to the church daily. And he still does. Such as should be saved. Let me read you this. I can't remember who I got it from, but he said, if some churches, if to some churches there would come a large increase, maybe God saved a lot of people in that place, there are brethren who would not believe it to be genuine. They'd say, well, I just don't think it's real. We, we need to watch them and just see for a little while. And would despise the little ones that God had brought into the church. God will not cause his children to be born where there are none to nurse his children. It would be like me taking my little granddaughter, a year old, and I wouldn't be afraid in a moment to take it over to Kathy. And I'd say, Kathy, would you watch over my granddaughter? And I would leave and not have to worry about nothing. You know why? I'd trust her to take care of my granddaughter. What he's saying is, does the Lord trust us with his children? Do we take care of his? That's something to think about, isn't it? That he would commit unto us the care of his children. Say, yeah, I'll take care of them. I'll make sure nothing happens. The best I can, I'll, I'll watch over them. I'll talk to them. Maybe read them a story. I'll fix them a meal. You don't have to worry about anything. He will be sure not to send converts to churches who do not want them. Isn't it amazing? All those things that he mentioned was about that church. And then in that church where they're, they're all in one accord, having fellowship one with another, they're praying and they're watching. And, and then what? What's the evidence? The Lord added to the church. Daily, such as should be saved. Oh, that God would give us a desire to see people added to his church. 
I think I think I'm speaking for all of us. I, I think I think many times we pray and we just say, "Well, I just don't think the Lord probably even hears my prayers." I've been praying for these people a long time. Don't quit. Can you imagine some of them there that day? They may have been some of their children who have been praying for him for a long time. And just so happens he hears the gospel on the day of Pentecost. And he just happens to be one of the 3,000. Oh, that the Lord would enable us to see this and to learn. We need him. Let's pray.